In recent days, more details about the 2020 burglary at President Cyril Ramaphosa's Palapala farm have started to emerge and have been widely reported in the media. This week, News24 published an exclusive investigation about the alleged theft of millions in cash, which sheds more light on exactly what took place. Against this backdrop, political pressure continues to mount against the president. In a recent development, Parliament will now initiate a process that could lead to an impeachment inquiry against Ramaphosa. I'm Catherine Rice, a journalist for News24's Multimedia Department, and you're listening to The Story, where we'll talk to journalists and experts about the biggest story of the week. We're talking to News24 investigative journalist Kyle Cowan, and later we'll talk to political analyst Ongama Mtimka. Earlier this week, News24 published your exclusive article on the Palapala saga. Tell us about the new details you've uncovered. When news about the burglary at President Cyril Ramaphosa's farm first emerged in early June this year, it was speculated that between four and six million dollars had been stolen. What I've been able to establish is that the president has now told the public protector that an amount close to $600,000 in cash was taken. He's also given the identity of the person who the money came from, that the transaction related to the sale of one buffalo. And my information is at least that the person who did buy this buffalo is from Dubai. Now, we don't know the name of the person as yet, unfortunately. And it's something that I think will become very important later on when we try and establish whether, you know, this transaction was above board. But what we've also managed to establish is that $600,000 or roughly, you know, 9 million rand um, at that time in February 2020 is not an outlandish price for the right kind of buffalo, according to some experts that we spoke to. So it's really starting to, yeah, I think, you know, inject a sense of proportion and facts into this whole story around this burglary. But Carl, there have also been some questions about how and when former spy boss Arthur Fraser got hold of information about the burglary. Can you comment on both the content and timing of his allegations? Well, let me start with the timing. Of course, the timing is very, very interesting. He opens this criminal case just before news breaks that the president has suspended public protector Busisiwe Mkwebane. He also opens this criminal case two years after the fact and at least, you know, two years into, I think, a lot of people knowing about the burglary, including, I suspect, Mr. Fraser. And the reason why it is done in 2022 is, of course, that in December of this year, there's going to be an ANC elective conference where President Ramaphosa will again stand to be elected as president of the ANC, which, you know, because of their majority vote, automatically translates into him, you know, holding on to the state presidency. So the timing is curious. And why I say that is because News24 and Amabungani have also previously reported about these links between the now suspended public protector advocate Umkwebani and Mr. Fraser, how they worked together previously at the Department of Home Affairs, how advocate Umkwebani was drafted into the SSA shortly before she became the public protector. And now what we're seeing in Parliament is that, you know, during her impeachment inquiry is that there are more details emerging of Mr. Fraser, you know, even speaking directly to security staff at the Office of the Public Protector and also having meetings with Advocate Mkwebane around, you know, 
that report, the APSA CX report, in which she recommended that the the Reserve Bank's mandate be amended by Parliament. So it's really interesting to note that when one of Mr. Fraser's perceived allies was under threat, and in an ANC election year, that this information would come to light. Kyle, this whole saga could be turning public opinion against Ramaphosa. What impact, if any, do you think this will have on his future as president? So it's obviously severely embarrassing for the president. You know, I, I think that he would much rather have preferred that none of this ever became public knowledge. He is a man of enormous wealth in a country that has high levels of poverty, you know, for historic and for current reasons. And he has in the past apologized for bidding, you know, at one of these game auctions, you know, he bid 18 million rand on a pregnant buffalo cow that he got outbid for. But at the end of the day, it was still seen as largesse. You know, he's a, he's a billionaire on paper, at least. And it, it's it's not a good look for someone who's who claims to be representing the poor and the downtrodden and, you know, in a country that has a very particular problem with poverty. So. The effect is, of course, enormously embarrassing. Politically, his enemies are going to try and get as much mileage out of this. And I'm not just talking about opposition parties. There are people within his own ANC party who are going to try and use this to either force him to step aside or to, you know, pursue criminal or civil investigations that would try and find him, you know, culpable in some way or another of breaking the law or of acting unethically and use that as a pretext to try and get rid of him. It's all very much a political power struggle. But at the same time, you know, people who are close to the president and are close to his efforts for re-election seem quietly confident, you know, in conversations that I've had with them, you know, anonymously because they obviously cannot speak. It doesn't look like they're too worried at the moment, but I think that they may be misreading the situation. I think this is going to become a far bigger thorn in the president's side than they realize. But he's not going to give up without a fight, I don't think. And it it certainly appears he will challenge the now suspended public protector's investigation in terms of its jurisdiction. Can you explain what that will hinge on? Yes, so it's, it's a legal technicality. So in the Public Protector Act, if someone comes to the public protector with a complaint about something that happened more than two years prior... The public protector has to, at the outset, before they even decide to start the investigation or anything like that, establish what is called special circumstances. The public protector has to effectively provide rational, logical and defendable reasons why, you know, the public protector believes that this investigation should continue. Now, my understanding is, is of course, that, you know, the burglary occurred in February of 2020. The complaints were laid sometime in late June or early July of 2022. So it misses the two-year mark by a couple of months. And the real problem that the Office of the Public Protector is going to have is there's a precedent where the High Court in, in 2019 on another public protector matter, it was a review application that was brought by uh, the Department of Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon, and they specifically challenged special circumstances. And Advocate Mkobani and her office were unable to provide rational, solid reasons, you know, rational in terms of legality, you know, for why they thought the investigation should go ahead. So it's going to be a really difficult dance. And now, of course, Advocate Mkwebani has been suspended. And the problem that the acting public protector has, Advocate Koleka Galeka, 
is that she has to rely on her predecessor's decisions from before she even became the acting public protector. It's going to be a really difficult investigation for them, I think, even if there are real reasons for the president to be concerned. But, Carl, there are numerous investigations into this issue. In addition to the public protector investigation, what are these probes and what will they be looking at? So, as you mentioned, you know, the public protector investigation, that one is looking into whether or not the president violated the Executive Members Ethics Act. There's a code that goes with that act that sort of, you know, regulates what members of the executive can and cannot do. There's a real problem with the Executive Members Ethics Act, however, and this has been a debate for about 10 years with the previous public protector raising this issue, you know, um, as, as long as 10 years ago, is that the president is effectively the person who the public protector has to report to if there are violations of the EMA, EMEA. So been, there's been a strong push for, you know, the act to be amended by parliament, and it's now sitting in, under the purview of the, the Minister of Justice. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. The other investigations are, of course, a criminal one by the Hawks into, you know, the circumstances of how the money ended up there and the alleged cover-up of the burglary and so on and the abuse of state resources. There are investigations in Parliament, for example. There is a, a newly constituted investigation by the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence to look into the alleged involvement of Deputy State Security Agency Minister uh, Zizi Kordwa and as well as allegations of, you know, uh, the abuse of secret police crime intelligence funds. Then there's also an investigation by the Independent Police Investigative Directorate into the conduct of President Ramaphosa's head of security, Major General Wally Ruder. So there are these numerous streams of investigations, and each one of them poses its own danger. If any information crops up in any of these probes that the president knew about the transaction, or he you know, was somehow aware of that the money was coming from a dubious source or anything like that, it can be politically and even you know, criminally very, very damaging for him. I mean, it sounds like Ramaphosa really could be in trouble here. What about SARS, the taxman and foreign exchange regulations enforced by the South African Reserve Bank? You know, this is a thing that crops up continuously when you, you know, go on social media or read comments on stories about Pala Pala. The problem that we as the media and we as the public have is, is that the South African Revenue Service, the taxman, as we call them, they never, ever talk about anyone's tax affairs in public, as in ever, ever, ever. So we will never know if the corporate entity behind these, you know, these, these transactions at the farm, you know, if any tax was paid, if it was declared properly, that sort of thing. The South African Reserve Bank is not hampered by such secrecy provisions. But again, we're speaking about an institution that is controlled by ANC deployees. Whether or not they are going to now suddenly release information to the public that is damaging to the president or act upon him criminally is a completely different question. Now, I must also point this out. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation that having that amount of foreign currency in your possession is unlawful. It's not necessarily so. If proper exchange control regulations were followed and permission was sought by the person who brought the money to the president's farm, that's really going to become a non-issue. The question really is, was the proper procedure followed? And then, even if it wasn't, no one can prove that the president knew about this transaction. No one can prove that he was there to take the money into his possession. There are other people around him who work for him, however, who may have to answer those types of questions. So it's all very complicated and, you know, it's, it's really going to take a long time for us to understand all the minutiae. 
Well, we'll certainly be watching all of those investigations very closely. Thank you so much for your time, Kyle. That was Kyle Cowan, investigative journalist for News24. We're now joined by political analyst Ongama Mtimka. Ongama, thank you so much for your time. Ramaphosa is facing a possible impeachment inquiry initiated by Parliament. What needs to happen for this inquiry to go ahead? I think, first of all, it's important to note that of all the attempts made previously to punish the reputation of President Phil Ramaphosa, this one fired by uh, Arthur Frazier, has the most potential to have consequences. And previously, I mean, people have tried to frame him on the Marikana issue, the lie about the 500,000 in Parliament, but none of those investigations or allegations could uh, have any direct implications on the future of the president. But this one is the first that has got potential to stick. Among for, for many of the reasons that surround the scandal and the details that have come into the public domain. Indeed, the Constitution does create room for the president to be impeached, especially on the basis of, a, of an act of serious misconduct. And I think that the process that the Speaker has started of selecting a, a committee that is going to look into the details of the scandal and determine the extent to which it falls on the uh, category of serious uh, misconduct. Uh, it, 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 she's taken it's the right course of action because in doing so, she allows uh, for Parliament to debate the matter only when the preliminary determination has been made about whether or not the conduct is serious enough uh, to trigger the, an impeachment. What we must bear in mind, though, is that the process remains challengeable in court as long as it wasn't an outcome of a public protector investigation or an outcome of an investigation by law enforcement agencies. Even those, by the way, remain uh, challengeable in court, uh, except that their weight when the reports come, it would be, they would carry more weight than this parliamentary-led investigation process. Ongama, how likely is an impeachment to be successful if it does go ahead? It's unlikely, given the share of seats in the National Assembly, with the ANC continuing to have a dominant position, they have the majority of seats, which allows them to take decisions that favor them as a party, regardless of what those decisions may mean in terms of the integrity of the legislative system. What I do think will happen, though, is that, as we have seen since the Constitutional Court judgment on the Ghana matter, Parliament has become a lot more sensitive to... Uh, you know, power-centric approach to decision-making. And in a game-theoretic sense, has become more sensitive to what the likely response is going to be of opposition and other players in, in the country when a particular decision is made. So, mindful of that, I think that I, rather than preferring an impeachment or pressing through with an, an impeachment, the ANC is likely going to explore a party-based solution to uh, removing and replacing the president 
than testing its power in parliament. Should the seriousness of the allegations the president is facing be elevated to a point where the party can no longer seek its head in the fact? This entire saga is impacting his plans to rebuild public institutions. Do you think it would be in the best interests of the country if he voluntarily stepped down? I argued long before the scandal, about two weeks before the scandal, that President Cyril Ramaphosa, as a matter of political strategy, needed to use his political capital and his strong position within the ANC not to return to office for a second term, but to rather position a successor who who has got a lot more runway in terms of building the party into the future than he may have. And that was as a matter of political strategy. Once the scandal came, he became a liability for his own project of renewal, especially given the fact that the room for claiming plausible deniability in this instance is not as uh, big as uh, it would have been, for example, with uh, the Margana uh, massacre, where he was outside of government and his request for concomitant action could not be construed as a direct instruction to the police to shoot and kill minors. In this instance of the Palapalapa scandal, it is within his property and some a huge indiscretion uh, of keeping foreign currency at home um, and possibly undeclared happened. So in that sense, then, he has become a liability to his own renewal efforts, especially considering the fact that a president must continue to be briefed based on national security concerns as investigations get to be made by law enforcement agencies, how is it going to be perceived to be uh, in the normal course of doing business if the NPA and the SIU continue to brief the president about their work when some of it actually implicates him directly? It's not a, a desirable situation. But the challenge in South Africa is that we have dropped the bar so low when it comes to expectations from politicians on a moral and ethical basis, to the extent that politicians hide behind legality and judicial processes in order to determine whether or not they fall on their swords. Whereas in other countries, at the slightest impression of a scandal that comes in the public domain, they, a politician, actually falls on their sword. Ongama. How will the saga play out at the ANC December elective conference in terms of leadership battles? Will it make any significant difference to the balance of power that he has enjoyed up to now? Well, if you look at the fact that some within the Integrity Commission or the Council of Elders in the party have started to make calls for the president to reconsider his position as leader of the of the state at least. That has got a weakening effect on him. However, in the politics of the ANC, scandal has served almost like a reverse psychology phenomenon uh, to boost uh, a president instead of weakening them fundamentally. 
And that's because the political culture of the party has been forced into cliques and, and personality cults rather than the values-based party that it had been and it strived to be during the times of the liberation struggle. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for those thoughts and insights. That was political analyst Ongama M. Timka. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Catherine Rice. Join us again next week for The Story.